0: It's my
1: first time first time welcome to Babylon 5 for the first time not a Star Trek podcast my name is Jeff Aiken and I am watching Babylon 5 for the first time and I'm Brent Allen.
0: And I'm also watching Babylon 5 for the first time.
1: We're two veteran Star Trek podcasters watching Babylon 5, well, for the first time. We search for Star Trek-like messages in this series and ultimately decide if we should have watched it sooner. That's right. And guys, while this
0: podcast is not a podcast about Star Trek, as Jeff said, we talk about Star Trek and other shows and we're bound to pull them in because... Really? How could we not? I mean, it's what we so do. Similar yeah. or not? Uh, you just—it's just your reference point. Now, listen. All of that said, we—we are—we're not going to apologize for it. We, but we did decide to make a game out of it. And here is the game: we each get three Star Trek references, at least till we get to the end when we actually make the comparison to Star Trek. Yeah, we get three Star Trek references, and uh, once you hit it, you can't say it after that. So, good luck trying to get across what you're trying to th- say once you've hit all three of them. Uh, So with that, Jeff, I know you and I have both hit our limits a few times. Choose your
1: spots carefully. It's going to happen. Just spoiler alert. It's going to happen in this episode. Sometimes it's going to happen by purpose. Right. And it might even happen by like minute three of this one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Might not take long. But not only do we talk about Star Trek, not only are watching Babylon 5 for the first time, we love interacting with you. We're on Twitter, at Babylon First. We're on YouTube. In fact, if you're listening to this and not watching it on YouTube, we put the raw deal on there. Warts and all. All the mistakes. Everything. You can check it out. And you can see our clearly made-for-podcasting faces as we uh, as we talk about it. You can send us emails through our website, Babylon Five, the number five, first spelled out, f i r s t dot com. And Brent, I want to share a couple uh, comments that we've gotten from people here lately. Love it. I'm gonna. So first from J W at JWZip on Twitter, they say uh, you may have to rewatch the entire show after you've watched it for the first time. A lot of the references may not seem important at the time, but become vital later on. Babylon five for the second time, perhaps. Well, JW, we've got like 104 more episodes to go but that's all
0: You know what I love about that is I can't wait to find out what the references are that people keep telling us about. I know. Like, I know they're there. I don't what I don't want you guys to do is tell me what the reference. Oh, this is important because it sets up stuff later. Don't tell. I don't want to know if it's important or not. Yeah. Like at all. Like I can't wait to get there and discover that stuff. But I love knowing that things are important for later on and the speculation is just rife with Jeff and I to figure out what is it that's important or not important. Like the blue arrow, is the blue arrow on Delyn's head important? At is she all? an
1: avatar? Like, is she yeah, know? is she in the yeah. last airbender? Like <laughs> what's going on? We're going to have so many questions and it's going to drive all of you just absolutely mad to hear us sometimes. And that's one of my favorite things is whenever we put this out, I just like to imagine you screaming at us. How could you not think that's a big mm-hmm. deal? Well, it's our first time. That's how.
0: Right. Or, or maybe even like, I love this character, this character better. You know, this, I can't wait to see what they do with this character. And your guys are out there like, yeah, that character is here for like two episodes and she, they're done
1: Well, over on YouTube. Violent silence says, and this is a pretty lengthy one, so I'm gonna I'm gonna condense it down a little bit with a chunk. I like I just love love the metaphor that violent silence put up here. They say, I don't know if you guys are familiar with older trains, but when they started moving, they'd pull away slowly, and you could feel each carriage pull against the couplings as they reached their maximum extension. If you pulled away too quickly, you could risk a carriage becoming detached. Once all the carriages were in motion, you could accelerate the train properly. And this is essentially the problem with Babylon 5 pacing and with all genre pieces overall. For events later on to matter, you got to make sure all the pieces that are a part of it are properly connected. So you get a lot of episodes early on that are just putting things in motion. But as a passenger, you're feeling the carriages jerk as much as going on a journey. I thought that was really a We've talked before on this about mid nineties, first season sci-fi being like, that's a, that's a thing. That's a thing. Yeah. 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 That's one of the best ways I've ever heard it
0: put. And like one of the things I think that Babylon five is doing from what I understand, JMS had the show pretty much like written or, or plotted out of how he wanted to do things. It was a serialized show More so than Deep Space Nine was. This doesn't count. Uh, But more so than Deep Space Nine was. And um, that was really tough in the 90s because everybody wanted episodic week to week. They could throw it in syndication and it didn't matter type of stories. So the idea that he's coming along with this, like this is really early in in that realm. Like, you know, TV shows are pretty good at doing serialized stuff now. That was different back then.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah. Well, and yeah. finding a All home new level can, of respect, a network, uh, home, and a time, and those things, it was hard, mm-hmm. and you got moved around. And with, I mean, it wasn't only Star Trek series or only Babylon Five. It was anything Mm -hmm. just about that was on TV is they would write it in an order. They'd air it in something just wild and unexplainable for, for no good reason. Those are all real Mm -hmm. things that happened. And so, yeah. So thank you very much to, uh, to violent silence for one of the (laughs) best descriptions that I've ever heard. I love it. And you know, one of the things I I should say is so
0: far Babylon five doesn't feel serialized. It still feels very episodic right now. So, but I understand that it's supposed to be. I don't know how. Nobody
1: tell me. I don't know how. I hear you. Um, Yeah, I've got thoughts on kind of that a little bit later on because, yeah, we'll just say I think we're we're hitting the same thing a little bit there. So, yeah. And speaking of later on, today, right now, we're discussing mind war. For those that it might have been a while since they've seen this or those who haven't watched but are listening to us anyway or watching along with us. Brett, why don't you tell us about the episode? Well, in Mind War, a telepathic fugitive pays a visit to Babylon
0: 5, but he's being pursued by cops. Not just any cops, cops And these aren't just any cops; These are level 12 cops. And the fugitive just isn't any telepathic fugitive. He is one that has power to bring down the entire Earth Alliance military structure. How exactly? Well, that's on a need-to-know basis. And you don't need to know, which means we're going to find out now. The psychops need to interview Talia because she knows the fugitive intimately, but she hasn't seen him. And after confirming it with a very invasive mind probe, they let her go. And that's when the fugitive Jason makes his presence known to Talia. He tells her that he was a volunteer for a special program to be turned into a telepathic Captain America. And now not only is he telepathic, he's also telekinetic, which sounds super cool, but it's also super dangerous like pinch your carotid artery shut until it kills you dangerous but before they can get too much further jason starts having this big mind quake which starts shaking the station and doing all sorts of bad stuff and puts everybody on high alert this is actually why jason came to babylon 5 in the first place he was hoping talia his former lover could help him manage his mind quakes as he finishes a transformation of sorts perhaps an ascension you might call it into pure energy he tells Talia what Ivanovo said a few episodes ago. Psycor is bad, bad news. They're far more powerful than we ever imagined. They're pulling all the strings in the government behind the scenes. Well, no time to worry about that right now. Talia has to go get Sinclair to come help get Jason off the station before more bad stuff happens. And after a little bit of convincing, Sinclair agrees. But on the way, they meet the psychops, And in a pew, pew, pew action style act five, Jason finally gets off the station Ascends into pure energy, but before he goes, he leaves talia with a gift—the gift of telekinesis. And while all that was happening, Sinclair's girlfriend Catherine is checking out a planet which she's been hired to terraform. Jakar warns her that some really weird stuff happens there, but she doesn't listen and goes anyway. And when weird stuff does happen there, Catherine gets rescued by some Narn ships that were sent by Jakar. And he tells her that ancient beings can't—that poss- we can't possibly comprehend—live there, and the best we can do is just leave them alone.
1: Yeah, I don't think we're done with that storyline yet either, Jeff. Brad, this is the episode I've been waiting for. Yeah. I mean, it's like and it's not and it's not we're just gonna say it, it's not just because mm. Chekhov is in it. Mm. <laughs> yes, that's right. Chekhov is in this one. Yes. But honestly, we're finally starting to get into the sur- beyond the surface on things. Mm-hmm. We're seeing, we're seeing the the dirt. We're we're hearing kind of how things actually work. Um just in general we've had questions about psychor since our pilot episode with the mm-hmm. gathering uh Ivanova did started asking even more on our behalf and not only are we getting some of those questions answered but they're all it's like we have our first piece of meat on a thing where it's like this is this is actually something we have a big bad villain and it's something that like I can understand you know psychor mm-hmm. wanting to control everything so i'm like yes But my thought was when we were talking about episodic versus serialization, and and I just want to think this is because this is from the mid-90s and we didn't know serialized television at this point. But, Mm -hmm. wow, they could have been dropping some seeds for this in every episode up to this point. And I think this did. This felt like it should have been a continuation of an ongoing Mm storyline. Instead, it felt like, hey, remember we have telepaths? Remember there's a thing? And now we're going to actually, we're going to do something with them. And it's going to be wild what we're going to do with them. But we also got some depth to Jakar. Jakar so far has been. Yes. Hey, check that out. Jakar so far. Well, I, <laughs> I could go. But he's just been kind of, you know, oh, look at me. I'm a smart, you know, smart, bad guy, whatever. Look, I'm a politician. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot here to uh, to dive in. I, I want very much to believe that. Catherine went to go to this planet to mine some Q 40 quantium quantum 40. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is what they make jump gates out of. Right. So big deal, but she got this great job and he went out of his way to make sure she didn't die on this mission. He lined up some fighters to go intercept her. And I want to believe that this was out of the goodness of, of his shriveled Narn heart. Like he was the Grinch and his heart grew 10 sizes that day when, when he saved, when he saved little Catherine. And and, and I believe that because he talked about how no one on this station is what they appear to be. He said that multiple times. Yes. I think that was an important line. Yeah. Message received. (laughs) Yeah. We got it. But, but I, I think we know Jakar enough that, And I think he even hinted at this a little bit, but I think he's just doing this to eventually hold it over Sinclair's head. This is another bargaining chip. Yeah. I saved your girlfriend, dude. He says, she asked him, why, why did you do this? And he says, well, why not? It's not profitable to let me go, let you go die on this thing, but to save the commander's girlfriend, well, brings us back to why not? So eh, maybe
0: he could just be, you know a good person and like, Hey, bad stuff happens out there. I can't let you go. Here's the thing about Jakar and, and uh, yeah, let's talk about this B plot before we jump into the, into the main deal. He reminded me so much of Q. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I don't mean episode one Q. I mean like every other Q since then, a Q who comes in, who is mischievous and is, is backhandedly talking about it but at the end when you see the whole thing be displayed turns out they're just looking out for you they're trying to help you
1: wrapped up in a lesson there's a lesson wrapped in there exactly
0: you know and i I think of episodes like tapestry is it all right i'm gonna spoil something possibly for youtube and jeff i'll let you decide to leave this in the show or not because you do the editing the entirety of picard season two which i called from episode one i was like he's because because that's the thing that you learn after watching Q. Even in his episodes in Voyager, Q's not a bad guy. Exactly. I know they set him up to be a villain, but he's really not. He, he is very much coming in caring for. He's trying to get, usually, Picard to be at a different spot in, in, in his thinking. And he's helping him to get there. But it's in a really backhanded way. You know? It, yeah. It's, it's in a very mischievous way. And that's what I saw in Jakar was she's going to go do this mining uh, this, this planet's in Narn space. So you're going to have to clear it with the Narn. And he comes in and he's just all like, whoo, hoo!" -hoo." right. He could have just told her, Hey, uh, you don't need to go there because you're just, you don't have permission and you know, we're going to fight you on it. And, and I I forget all the, you know, he could have told her the whole thing about there are beings out there that you Mm -hmm. can't comprehend and bad stuff happens. He's like, no, 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 just, you know, there's ghosts out there and bad things tend to happen. and, whatever. And we're not going to let you go. And she's all like, I think you just want to keep it to yourself. And we see him go. And like, he says, I need a heavy fighter pilot make sure it's really well armed. And you're like, Oh my God, he's yeah. going to go like, kill her, shoot her out of the sky. And no, he's sending people to rescue her. Cause he knows something's about to go down. And I was like, that just feels like cue to me wow. on every level, because the way he set it up, the way he was talking to her was not like he was acting on her behalf. It was very much like he was acting for his in in his own interests.
1: Well, there's a version of you know? it where she just listens to him and just doesn't go, right? Or the version that she does try and go over his head and then they just tell her, "No, there's this, you know, there's beans there that'll rip you apart." Uh-huh. He wasn't like he didn't necessarily he had the end in mind, but he also didn't know that he was going to end up there. He was like, "Look, I'm just mm-hmm. going to be cool. About- I'm going to tell you it's not good. Kind of leave it there and then see I'm going to let you see what you're going to do, but behind the scenes, I'm going to kind of make sure things are cool." And you're right, yeah. like That's totally Q. 100%. Yeah. Wow. Jakar is Q. Hmm. 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 Stand by. We'll be right back. Are you ready to take your Babylon 5 for the first time experience to the next level? With our exclusive Patreon, you'll get access to all kinds of cool stuff that you can only find there. Our recording notes unedited reaction videos in exclusive Discord community and you can even be listed as a producer of the show plus we even offer exclusive meet and greets and hangouts you won't find this kind of experience anywhere else get all these amazing benefits plus the opportunity to interact with other fans from around the world it's being part of a huge community where everyone shares the same appreciation for Babylon 5 Subscribe at patreon.com slash Babylon five first. That's the number five in the word first to get access to these incredible benefits. That's patreon.com slash Babylon five first. We can't wait to see you there.
0: But Jakar, Jakar is, he's a, this is the first time we've gotten Jakar's is kind, he's kind of a good dude. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, and I mean, in my, the way I interpret it, this wasn't just fully self-serving. Like he just, he really seemed like he was looking out for her
1: to me. Well, I think too, I agree that, and and it's really just the talk of the last couple episodes behind me saying, nope, nope. He's got an ulterior motive. Don't, don't, don't Mm -hmm. trust him. And maybe that's more a reflection on me (laughs) than it is on, on him. But I think even at the end, when they're talking about those weird, you know, kind of space Christmas tree, table topper aliens that are out there. He said something about how, like, it gives him comfort and peace in knowing that there are things bigger than them that they're not ever going to understand. That, so, like, they're not the pinnacle of the universe, mm-hmm. you know. And, and like, that's right. that's some deep, deep philosophical stuff for this just, you know, evil reptilian guy. Real three dimensions to Jakar in this one that I really appreciated. So, Psychor, Psychor is going to be our bad guy. Looks like,
0: yeah, well, I mean, we, we kind of knew that we anticipated Mm -hmm. that. And we said that a few, few episodes ago that Psycor is going to be the, like, there's more here. Mm -hmm. What I find incredibly interesting is the idea that I think we kind of knew. We just heard it here. You always, he said, you always thought it was the government in charge, but it's not Psycor is back there pulling all the strings behind the scenes. They're the ones that are in charge. Couple that with the other things that we've been learning here about the earth yes. cultures we got to preserve that the new president uh who were those those the the people that came and got the um
1: yeah that took the the bio the bio weapons yeah yeah, from, yeah for those earth guys Alliance. yeah yeah
0: yeah those guys show up and now you have Psychor all of a sudden and and okay i got on a whole other level checkoff appears on the screen i saw checkoff and then i saw the girl that was with him and i went i was like hey that's checkoff that's really cool wait, is that Deanna Troy? Is that Marina? <laughs> they, are, do we got two of them here? And I'm like, oh no, and pretty, pretty quick. That got dispelled. But my first, that was my first uh, uh, thought as they go in. But I mean, Psychors bad news. They walk in and they're all like, like, I'm just going to read your mind. And, and Sinclair's like, get out of yeah. my mind, you know? Yeah. And I'm sitting here like, shouldn't, shouldn't there be like a helmet or something you could put on that like blocks them? Something, you know, something that just, listen, I have to have some sort of protection because I can't stop you from doing this. Well,
1: it's just like unchecked power, right? So uh, we learned that there's grades and we heard this before Talia, when she introduced herself, when she came in, was like, I'm a P five. Thing, which is like okay, I don't. I completely missed that. Oh yeah, I caught. I completely missed that, and I'm just like okay, okay, good, good for you. I guess that's something. Well, it is Jason? Um, uh, I Ironheart. Jason's a P10 because all instructors at the academy are a P10, and the cops are P12s. So ooh, that's kind of a big deal. But I think that like w- there's the scene where Sinclair and Garibaldi are kind of problem solving where Jason could be. And then Garibaldi walks past. I'm going to start calling him by his Babylon five name. I'm going to be fair. Walks past Bester and Mm -hmm. uh, Bester just is like, Oh, only 50 apartments. we got to search. Cool. Oh, also uh, Garibaldi, that's anatomically impossible, but you're welcome to try anytime. Anytime. Yeah. It's like, Whoa.
0: (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry. We've had this discussion about characters before Garibaldi, and Bester going at it, Garibaldi's mopping the floor with him. You think? I think so. So I really do.
1: You know i I didn't realize. So the I don't I don't know who the actor is who played Bester's the the other uh, psychop. I'm not sure who mm-hmm. she was. She got turned into molecule dust and is gone. Right, right. But she was like six feet taller than him. Like I never right. realized how short he was. But he carries himself like I feel, and I. I have to own that I've had teachers through school named both Koenig and Koenig. So I always get this mixed mm-hmm. up. It's Walter Koenig, right? It's the Koenig. Name. It's yeah. Koenig. Okay. Koenig. Because so yeah. I've had both and it's just, so Walter Koenig, what this episode proved to me is all the time he was Chekhov on Star Trek. And I feel like I'm going to let my buzz on Chekhov kind of bias the Chekhov mm-hmm. reference. Maybe. I don't know. Sure. He he should have been a villain this whole time. Right. In the wrath. Here we go. I'll give myself in the wrath of <laughs> That scene where he's like, all smiles and set the alpha five, checks Mm -hmm. out, and then he gets all cold and hard. That really played through in here where he's like, I'm friendly bureaucrat. Also, I will destroy you. And so that's where I think if he and Garibaldi went at it, like he's gonna be that little scrappy guy who's also literally getting into Garibaldi's head the whole time. I don't know. I I'm taking Bester on that one.
0: Are you? I am. Mm. I think I think Garibaldi's just gonna smash him. I really do. Like Bester might get in his head, but I think Garibaldi's coming through and he's he's got that 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 security chief. Is he security chief? Is that his yeah, title? I think so, yeah. Right. He he's got that that stuff. I I think he's taking him taking him to the floor,
1: man. Well, Talia almost took Garibaldi to the floor. <laughs> I was so excited. Well, I got my scene, the one that I wanted, where like they're in the elevator and she finally gut punched him for his like Yeah, because, okay, I got a question.
0: I got a question about that.
1: So they walk in and
0: and she's talking about like, I can, I can sense emotions. They kind of come through even when you don't want to. And, and when she's saying that he's sitting there, like staring her down, like checking her out. Here's my question. Was he doing it on purpose to like test her and see hundred percent
1: or was he just like distracted and like, I think he's that guy at the bar who is just sleazy and greasy, but believes with his whole body, that she's into it. Like, right. yeah, she's gonna, she's gonna. Oh, you can pick this up. Well, here you go. What do you think about this? Oh, and and then at the end, like she gut punches him and walks out, and he's like, "I think I'm in love." It's like, oh my god! Didn't wow. she
0: smile as she walked out, though? She did.
1: I think. Yeah, that's. I'm gonna blame that on mid '90s TV. That's I'm right. just. I, I'm just. I mean, like, I think Talia's
0: putting up a fight, but I think there's. She might like. I kind of be into it as well.
1: I don't know. I hope not. I don't know. But you talked about Psychor and the, uh, the the earth culture and earth first and all those, those pieces there. I had the same thing. And I took a note that like, how strong is the influence that they're having? Like, are they steering public sentiment in a way, you know, like where they're just making people, maybe they're not forcing anyone to do anything, but they're just introducing that doubt or that feeling. Um, Whatever that's causing people to just come out with jingoistic, you know, national or planetaristic uh feelings in there. And they're doing that in a way t- for an end, right? Well, this this can help mm-hmm. us achieve, you know, whatever. Cause they want their fingers on the in the economy and the politics in energy in everything that's going on. So I kind of wondered, yeah, is this is this their work making everybody here just be so anti-alien? But Jason, Jason Ironheart. So <laughs> Did you ever read Dune, the Dune novels at all? I did
0: not. I saw the new movie that came out recently. It's a good movie. That's a, I saw the old movie a long time ago, and it put me to sleep. What? I, so Brent. many times. Oh, oh it, It's horrible. No. It's horrible, no. Jeff.
1: Yes, it's so bad. Spoiler alert. Uh, I'm going to reference it in our closing thoughts, The the David Lynch film. It's going to be a okay. reference because, and I'm going to go Dune here for a minute, so you can check out whatever, but there's somebody... Somebody's going to be like, oh, my God, yes. Jason Ironheart has become the Kwisatz Haderach. So he's already some sort of a genetic rarity just by virtue of being a telepath. One in a mm-hmm. thousand humans are telepathic. And then one in every 10,000 of them could be telekinetic, possibly. Then and half of them are crazy. Yeah. So yeah. It's, so he's already this rarity. And then they pump him full of drugs or melange or spice, if you read this stuff. And it breaks his mind. Wasn't, I'm sorry. Did we talk about this? Ivanova's mom
0: was a telepath. Yes. And she chose not to go to Psychor and chose the medication piece to that and went crazy. Oh, wow. Wow. Is Ivanova's mom a telekinetic? And is that genetic? Is Ivanova a telepath? And we don't know.
1: Just saying. Wow.
0: Is she a telepath? And we don't know. Well, and I think, or was her mom a tele-
1: telekinetic telepath? Was she part of this experiment? And that right. whole thing, right? So they're like, "Oh, yeah. you don't want prison? You don't want psycho. Yeah. We're going to do some... Exp- oh my God, Brent! Yeah, that's huge." Sorry, if you're Go listening ahead. and you know the answer to that question, do, do not, not answer sell. it. <laughs> don't tell us. <laughs> that is huge mm-hmm. because it is. That's he was talking about that, right? They were pumping us full of drugs. They were trying stuff out, and and it got and it got really, really bad in Dune. That's what happened. So Paul, uh, tradies or Atreides, depending on how pure you are with Frank Herbert, um, is a genetic, genetic, uh, you know, planned out from a breeding program, the the breeding program. Then he does all this spice, all this melange, and it breaks his mind, just like Jason. And now he can see the universe. He's really the shortening of the way, which is what Quissess Hatterach means. He can see everything, and he transcends it all, and then takes off. Right, I'll be back in. Hey, see ya! I'll be back in a million years, as good senior. And then Talia, here's your gift. Here's your thing. Now in Dune, that led to ten thousand plus years of of famine and strife and war that they came out of on the end of the golden path And a, a well, what could have been a much better place for all of there. It's humanity in Dune, but. The the point is that that forming of the Quiz S Haderach, that successful experiment that the Bene Gesserit we're working towards, changed the entire universe. So how is this going to change psychor? How is this going to change telepaths? To me, I think we've got that P scale, P5, P10, P12. Jason had mm-hmm. to have been off that scale. And then right. the fact that he could gift telekinesis onto Talia, who showed no aptitude for it whatsoever, mm-hmm this, if this were other sci-fi, I don't want to use my, my buzz on this one. Cause I've only got one left, but if this were other science fiction series, this would have been like one little episode and like, Oh, well that was an interesting thing that he turned into a beam of light and went away. This has, mm-hmm. there's so many pieces hanging here. It has to turn into something big.
0: I would, I hope that Jason comes back. Like he's still an entity out there somewhere. Yeah. Like he's, he's a uh, Vosh. Or Kosh or whatever his name is. I forget his name. He hasn't been here. Like he's out there, but he's just like, just sort of floating around, you know? Um, I I really hope that we haven't seen the last of him because what I like, I have questions like is Talia now a P10, P20, P whatever, like what else has she gotten besides telekinesis? Where is this going to go? What's going to happen? Because he, he quite obviously... They kept using the word transformation. I'm going to use the word ascend.
1: Okay.
0: He ascended. He, tr- he, he shed his mortal core coil and it now exists as pure energy. And he said he could see it all. He could exist everywhere. You know what this sounds to me? Like the traveler.
1: Yeah. Right. Is that two or three for you? That's two. That's That's two. two. That's we just only reason. have one left. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: He sounds like the traveler. And that's that's who he sounds like they could see everything can be everywhere everything everywhere all at once and i think this has to come back in somehow we have to be leading to a showdown with psycor right or something's got to happen and he's got to be the thing that comes back in that marshals the resistance or is the deus ex machina right who comes in the at the end and exactly yeah. Um, somewhere that's that's got to be because I hope he's not not gone. I really hope that this isn't um okay, what here's what we're setting up in this episode that there's psychops and that they're we we heard they're controlling everything and they're working these weird experiments. And now Talia is a telekinetic and nobody knows. And maybe she even jumped up a few scales deal on the, and we're going to have to deal with that, but we'll never hear from Jason. again.
1: Right. He was just, he was just a plot device that made those yeah. things. And then, Oh, he, we literally will see him in a million years when the series gets you know, rebooted or sequeled right. or whatever. Yeah. Right.
0: I mean, and that might be
1: entirely what it is, but I hope that's not what it is. I wonder if that's one of the spinoff movies that came as like, Hey, let's go follow Jason Ironheart through the universe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Do they recast
0: him? Like, do they, Cause they have to bring him back into a body and on some, no, just keep him as a Mr.
1: Right? Mr. Clean CGI guy. Like Mr. Energy. Yeah. Just, okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Why not? There you go. Well, those are my thoughts that I saw in there. Brent, was there anything else that you saw in this one? I had a, I had a
0: couple little notes here. One. Um, and some of these are just side notes, things that I picked up on when he's going in to rent the room. Now I thought this was real interesting as far as how the station operates. You can go rent a room, you know, in deep space nine, you're just given a room. You're just given. Course. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like here you actually have wow. to rent, which is, which is more towards the future because or, or towards reality, I think, you know, but he said, they said it's 500 credits a week. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that what Catherine said? She paid for roses and chocolates in the last episode. Oh, I don't remember. Cost her 500 credits. Wow. And I'm okay. like, like, I don't know what current, how currency exchange rates go with that. But if she paid 500 bucks. For roses and chocolates, that's quite a bit. Well, she made a comment. Like, if I
1: remember right, I think she said something about like these were hard to find or these cost a lot or something offhanded. But yeah, that's a week a week for a room for five hundred bucks. Yeah. That's a, I mean
0: that's a lot of money for for a room for a week, and it wasn't that yeah, nice. So of maybe. A room. No, it really A little tiny wasn't. TV.
1: Yeah. It even had like... It's the, maybe it's a uh, hundred
0: bucks. 500, 500 credits is equivalent to a hundred bucks maybe or something like that. Like, I've, I don't know what the exchange rate is, but...
1: It even had like that in-hotel thing of like, welcome to Babylon 5. The Zocalo is located on the... Which is kind of like mm-hmm. on the little tv screens that was a nice little touch i think kind of to what you were talking about in the last episode just those little touches you know the signs that they Mm -hmm. had in the last one and this one where they had a fully voiced like intro video that's just playing in the background Mm -hmm. really really
0: cool world building speaking of world building uh, or station building i should say they have sky buckets traveling around oh yeah the uh the deal you know monorail upside down monorails uh traveling around to get you to get you down Sounds like a good place to go have
1: a private conversation. Well, you'd think, you know, unless it's yes. you know mics everywhere yes. or whatever, or they have something recording it in that unbelievably painfully obvious blue screen they're working up against. But you know, yeah, it's, like, it's in the nineties, but like still, yeah, that was that was yeah. uncomfortable to watch.
0: And I mean, think about it; like they recorded that on on film, translated it to SD, and we're watching everything on upscaled TVs now. True, like. Yeah. On streaming, like that's that's not gonna hold up very well no. at all. At all. Um, okay. I did wanna bring out this piece though, this planet that Catherine goes to check out. These beings that came out of nowhere and jacked up her shuttle. And these Jakar talks about what what are the words? You, you said them earlier. He said, These are beings that we cannot possibly comprehend. Mm-hmm. Things that we like, and I love the fact that we don't understand some things that are out there. Yeah. These sound a little bit like whatever it is that Jason might have just turned into.
1: Whoa, possibly, maybe. So maybe that's right. So he he took that weird, you know, kind of energy form, and then maybe like part of his whoosh through space is like maybe they form that shell, you know, or something that we saw there. Wow, they can go, and that's
0: where they're going to go hang out. I don't. That's the like because I'm trying to think. Always in my head, I'm like, okay, why do you put this A story and this B story together? Why are these two coexisting in the same, same episode? That was the only connection I could make between the two, you know, on this one, I, or just the, not everybody's here, what they seem.
1: Right. I think, you know, so far there hasn't been a real connection in the A's and B's that I, I don't know if we're going to, so to me, the B in this one felt like, um, well, Hey, we just introduced Catherine. And so it makes sense to do this thing. And I think like for me, the two big messages out of that B story were the, the Jakar, um, just mm-hmm. Jakar in general and, and, you know, him, the, the higher B, you know, we're, I'm thankful there's things that are, you know, we're not the peak or the whatever. And then, um, his piece on not everyone here is what they seem Right. But the other big thing I think out of it is this is the second episode in a row where they've really l- talked about the value of Quantium Forty, the Q forty, and then in this one we learned that's what they make jump gates out of, and the Earth is already like six months behind in jump gate production. So I think there's something there um, that's going to turn into something. That's w- so I think that was the point of this B story, and the timing of it was just, oh, we got Catherine here now. Let's let's do it. By the way,
0: the more I see of Catherine, the more I like her. Agreed. Yeah. I like, I'm really glad she's stuck around. I'm really glad she's stuck around because I like her a
1: lot. I love when she was, I want to see more of her. I loved when she was side mouth in Jakar in her ship. And she's like, it's not a very healthy place. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
0: Is she the girl from Rambo? Is she? I think she is. I think she's the girl from Rambo. I was, Cause it's been driving me crazy trying to figure out where I like, she's got that face and I've been, I, I think she's the girl from Rambo.
1: I'm, I'm going to look anyway, it up. Right. I have to know. All right. Wow.
0: Yeah. Look at that. dude. So we had, we had Kimiko and whoever this girl is in Rambo.
1: Yeah. So we got Karate Kid part two Rambo first blood part two, all reprint and B five. There you go. Um, so with that, that's really all I had
0: for the main discussion. Are we, are we ready to turn this into the, uh, conversation about the deltas. Think let's boil are. it down. What do you say, Jeff? I think it's time. Well, uh, so let's do that. Why don't we see if this show has any of that star Trekky quality to it? Is it a deep moral message? Is it holding up a mirror to society? Is it giving us hope for a better future? Jeff, I'll throw it over to you first. What did you pick out of this episode? Is it star Trek
1: or not? So the other thing we like to ask each other is if we would watch this again or if we feel like we would have watched it sooner on here. And so I'm going to kind of I'm going to I'm going to dive into that one first before I get to the deltas. But we didn't talk about this in our in our recap. We just did. But I I think the effects really, really hurt this one a lot. Like to me, here's the callback. It's David Lynch's Dune where you just have these super high concept ideas that that you can't, you can't really translate visually. And especially not on the kind of budget that TV and Babylon five were especially running on at the time. I had to suspend my disbelief like so much, especially at the end. So they had the, you know, the pew, pew, pew thing when, when uh, Bester and the the girl were trying to like mind shut him down or whatever. And just, I mean, it just, it was ridiculous. And it was ridiculous to me that they were talking about how he's not, we wouldn't even call him human. You wouldn't recognize him as human at this point, but he's the most human looking person on the station. Like just as a mm. dude. And then when he ascended or as he said, when he became, that was, that was terrible. Um I had a Atari ST five twenty in the mid eighties, and I feel like I could have done a better looking Energy Guy than that one. But the effects aside, this really felt like a super important episode to me. Right, we got the insights into PsyCor, Talia with her telekinesis, all the stuff that we've we've talked about. We're going to look back at this episode a lot. I think this is going to be oh yeah, this back you know back in Mind War, back in Mind War. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing we're going to hear. But between the visuals. The pacing that I thought was wildly inconsistent and made, they, there were some parts of this that they spent like 43 minutes on. It felt like that they could have spent f- four seconds. Yeah. That's, I don't, I don't think I'm going to watch this one again. I'm, uh, I'm good. I'm good with it. But Deltas, that's what we're here to talk about. So Jakar's explanation of the thing that Catherine saw and comparing us to ants. And this was a thing too, that that we have as little chance communicating with them as ants do to us. Mm -hmm. Right. That's not only like a Star Trek like message. That's literally an entire season of Star Trek discovery. (laughs) These things were the 10 C, right? So like, okay, well, there you go. There's your Star Trek. And then on top of that, I think that the idea of, um, Ascending. I, I, I like, I like using that word. I, I kind of like your know, mind evolution or potential of the, of the mm-hmm. mind is a very Star Trek message, but the way they do it in this episode, forcing it through drugs, experimenting on people, and then the drive to do it for assassinations and for wild political and economic power. That's not, mm-hmm. that's not so much a Star Trek thing. So despite. L- is it not though? No, I don't think it is. I
0: think I mean think of every Starfleet admiral that you've seen except for the guy in Discovery. <laughs> that sounds very Star Trek to me.
1: I'm yeah. just saying. It sounds very Federation. Well, it's very like, yeah. um Star Trek Insurrection, right? So, right. yeah, where he's going to use. Right. But I but I think that like the point of that movie was that that's not what Starfleet and the Federation are about is using, you know, using the people for that kind sure. of a thing. It happens for sure, but they go in and uh, and attack it. Like, that's the thing. Hey, you're mm-hmm. doing this thing. We're going to shut you down. We're going to stop. And maybe maybe that's where Babylon 5 goes, despite the fact that you literally have Star Trek walking around on this. And, right. and full disclosure, I knew in the back of my head, like, I'm like, yeah, like, I'm aware Walter Koenig was on this, blew my, I, I slipped my mind. Like, I wasn't, th- and when he showed up, like, I totally, like, fanboyed for a second. Oh, my God. That's, yeah. yeah I, right. I jumped out of my seat and it hit me how it showed me how old this series is by how young he was. In he there. Looked, yeah. And I felt like what a wasted, yeah. what a waste for Paramount and the Roddenberry camp to have not taken more advantage of like a clearly super skilled actor, a good looking young guy who's killing it on Babylon five. You couldn't find a spot for him and all your Star Trek stuff that was going on. Right. Yeah. But I got to score it. And so I went with two and a half deltas on this one. As much as last time I scored it higher, because I felt uh, optimistic about where they were going to go with things. I don't have that same level of optimism on this one, where they're going to go with psych on this one. So I'm going to give it a two and a half. I'm
0: going to echo everything you said about the graphics and the effects and how much it takes you out of this episode the like this is an episode that is begging for a 2022 reboot big time big time put it into this put put modern day writers on the episode put effects budgets and effects technology and man you could have something wild with this episode absolutely a lot of the way that honestly this time period well not even this time period the early seasons of next generation were mm-hmm. The the way that the original series was and, and even in Voyager and stuff like you watch some of those, those effects in Voyager, like where they're doing species eight, four, seven, two, which is the first fully CGI yeah. character. Cool. But it's rough, you know, yeah. and it's not as rough as this, but it's rough as far as the episode goes though, because as Star Trek fans, we're very used to watching stuff where the concept is far outstripping the technology of being able to put it on TV. We've done this for years. This one I enjoyed a lot in that, in that, uh, that respect that said, this is not an episode I want to watch very often. It's just, it's just not, I really wanted to feel a lot more for Jason than I did. And I kind of just didn't, I was like, dude, just shut up and ascend, like quit messing stuff up and just go ascend. It'll, it'll be fine. There were some places where I was just like, why don't they just kill the dude? Just get, <laughs> like, like, like in a, in like a end the threat. Like he didn't seem like, he didn't seem like he was like, I, no, I don't want to die. I want to live. I want to survive. I want to go on and like, like I want to, I want that side of it. He wants to go on and explore and he wants to find out what's next. And he wants to transform into this thing and who knows what he could possibly be. So he has to stay alive to see that, but he can't be captured and, and go back. Cause I mean, like I'm sitting here watching like, okay, so if they would have captured him and taken him back with them. They're gonna get like not even halfway to the jump gate and he's still gonna ascend. Yeah,
1: it's gonna happen no matter what. And then he's what.
0: in the same place, right? Yeah. Like they're not gonna stop him at that point. Like there's a there's a bit of me that like I needed a little bit more on that level.
1: You know, I think as far t- I want to take that really quick and go back to my Dune reference. So the the mm-hmm. fourth book, God Emperor of Dune. Um, it's it's it can be a slog. A lot of it happens inside uh Leto the Seconds mind, really short version. A person, the son of Paul Atreides puts um, things on him that turn him into a sand, ha- like a hybrid sandworm human thing, and he lives for thousands of years. But he knows, he can see what happens if he lives long enough. Like he can see the golden path and where it takes him. He can also see the the, the chaos that the universe will fall into if he dies too soon. He can see both of those. And so he's desperate to live. And there are these like, multi-page thought processes where he's like, I I can't die. I have to live. I have to continue. I have to do these things. That's what we needed from Jason, where he sees if I ascend, Mm -hmm. these are the things that will happen. If I fail to ascend, then these are the... He doesn't have to say what they are. He just has to say the the galaxy is depending on me ascending. I have to. And then there's some stakes and then we care. Or... If I ascend, I can stop
0: Sycor from whatever they're doing and taking over Earth. Whatever's whatever is whatever, yeah. Like, like I, I needed something there. I just didn't get it. As far as how Star Trek this episode is, applying that lens to it, I think I'm a little higher on the Star Trek scale than you are. I'm going to go ahead and give this a four delta Star Trek. And and here's why: because when I watched this, I saw the message: you can't fear life forms you don't understand. He was, he was about to ascend. He was about to become something that they didn't know how to control. And yes, they were there to get control of him because they wanted to utilize him. They wanted to dissect him and find out what caused him to become that. But there was also a, they can't let him out. They can't let him go and they can't, uh, they, they don't understand it. And what we saw with Sinclair was he didn't know what was going on, but he went to talk to the thing. He went to talk to Jason in this case, and he got to know it. And he wasn't trying to use it, he heard its side he understood where it was coming from and i'm I'm putting it into its terms because it kind of was losing its humanity mm-hmm. you know he said that he's like, I'm not even jason anymore i'm I'm more than that, but he goes to understand it and now you can have a respect for life and and whatever it is that he's going on to become, we have to allow him to go become that. you have these people who don't want to let him become that, and we're going to allow this to happen we want to facilitate that happening like this seems totally captain picard to yeah me. i could see this in next generation as as a type of as an episode uh to get there so i and and i had images in my mind at the end of um you remember the big space jellyfish oh yeah
1: yeah from an encounter from, from next yeah.
0: generation yeah they're just watching it's like oh they're going off and they're doing their own thing and like i totally had those vibes at the end of this episode for that but then again the Jakar thing and the whole I, I compared him to Q earlier and I go back to that. Like you're, you're actually here to work together. Like we can work together. Oh, and by the way, let's talk about the interracial relationship between Jason and Talia in 1994, seeing this on TV of them saying we were ex lovers yeah. of saying that we were in a relationship was huge, was huge. That's a great point. And it's totally something Star Trek would have done um, or should have done. And, and yeah, so I give this a four Delta Star Trek type episode. I don't want to watch it again, but uh, I do find those messages in there. And I, I am more excited about what the fallout of this episode is going to be Yeah, of where we're going to go because this episode is clearly setting stuff up. It's clearly setting pieces into place. I'm more excited about where it's going than coming back and exploring this particular one that much more, though.
1: Agreed. I'm excited to reference this episode, not watch it again. Well, that's it, Brent. That's Mind Wars. Next week, well, before I tell you what we're watching next week, just a reminder for everybody listening, we don't look ahead. We don't even look back, right? We're just watching them as they come out, watching it for the first time. So we look at the title of the next episode. That's it. And then we like to play a little game where we guess what the show is going to be about based on the title alone. So, Brent, what do you think the war prayer is going to be about?
0: The war prayer? The war prayer. Coming right off of mind war. Yeah, it's it's I yeah. I'm going to go with, this is a sequel. Mm-hmm. This is a sequel to this episode, a direct sequel. Like, like uh, we might even get our first previously on. Wow. And I'm probably, I'm probably saying that just because of the war, like the whole war reference, like the mind war. And then the war prayer, maybe Jason's, they, somebody feels like he's a God now and they're praying to him. Now that's probably not it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with, it's, it's a sequel. They're trying to okay. figure it out. And I mean, we've got to fall. I mean, God, they, they just dropped this big thing about Talia and this new gift that she has. We've got to like, they can't let that sit for episodes. We've got to see what's happening with that. Like next episode. So,
1: so I think they are going to let it sit for episodes. I mean, we've only seen a couple episodes of this so far. You're probably right. Yeah, but still. the way I feel is they're like, Hey, we did this cool thing. Well, we'll come back to it here here in a little bit. And there's my guess mm-hmm. is that this is going to be one. I it's, going to be a previously on Babylon five. They won't do the previously Mm -hmm. on, but this is going to call back to the Narn and Centauri and uh, the, the negotiations that I believe have been referenced a couple of times for the Euphrates sector. So this is going to be, things are escalating. We're getting close to war. I don't know how prayer is going to work into it, but I just, I feel like we're, we're we're due for some Centauri and Narn uh, coming together. And I, I, I think they've referenced the Euphrates uh, negotiations in at least two other episodes mm. since, uh, since Midnight on the Fire. You
0: know, I mean, it could have absolutely nothing to do with war or prayer. Exactly. Uh, I'm reminded of Parliament of Dreams, which had nothing to do with the parliament or dreams. Whatsoever, not um, even close. Right, so who knows? It might be absolutely nothing to do with any of that stuff.
1: And that's the fun thing when you're watching Babylon 5 for the first time. We're going to find out right here next week. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever podcast uh, podcast app that you're listening on. Give us the star, give us the thumbs up, wherever you're listening. Overcast, it's a little star. If you're on Apple, right, go in, write up a little review, say, you know, Brent and Jeff are the most amazing things ever or, or not. We'll give you some love on our Twitter at Babylon First. If you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll immediately send a tweet out to the world highlighting what you had to say about us until next time jeff yeah are you trying to communicate telepathically yeah yeah
0: live long and oh jeez this guy's never gonna get it
1: it's my first time